You're listening to a message from Highway Church entitled, The Jesus Tree, Part 4. Enjoy. The Jesus Tree. What are we talking about? Our supernatural family tree. You guys got your seatbelts on, right? Okay, so you guys know I say some shocking things because I have that external defibrillator uh, way about me, right? Clear. Well, we're going to get into some shocking stuff today, but it really is good. It's going to help you, okay? So here's the deal. If you've put your faith in Christ, okay, if you've believed that God raised Jesus from the dead, and with your own mouth of your own free will, you said, Jesus, be Lord of my life, something miraculous took place on the inside of you whether you realize it or not. The Holy Spirit made your spirit brand new by faith, okay? Not because you joined a church, not because of the amount of wrong or right things you did, but because you put your faith in who He is and what He's done for you, all right? And when you put your faith in Christ, you were reborn. Jesus said you were born again in John chapter 3, or born from above, now, that's talking about our spirits, right? And, and Debbie's uh, uh, leading the get-together and teaching that on Wednesday nights. If you haven't come, come out. It's, it's just been a great time. Uh, spirit, soul, and body is the Bible study that we're doing, okay? But you're a three-part being, right? Spirit, soul, and body. Most people don't realize their soul and the spirit aren't the same thing. The Bible teaches us we are three parts. You are a spirit. You have a soul which is your mind, your will, and your emotions. Those are tools that God has given us, but that's not who you are, okay? You're not your emotions. You're not your mind. It's a tool that God has given you, all right, to experience Him. And we're living in a body. That's this thing, right, this suit that we're wearing right now. It's mortal, okay? But when you put your faith in Christ, your spirit was made new. Your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions were not, and your body was not. So what we're doing now is realizing what Christ did in us, and we're seeing our soul transformed and our bodies made whole. Our bodies transformed by the reality of what's happened in our spirit, okay? So being born again or born from above doesn't mean that God's will is going to automatically happen in your life. It doesn't mean that everything's going to be peachy from here on out. To consistently experience the will of God in your life, and I emphasize the word consistently, day in and day out, to consistently experience the healing he's provided, to consistently experience the righteousness he's provided, the life, the wisdom, the provision, you simply need to learn who you are now in Christ. And what he's already done for you through Christ. This is our new identity now. Sons and daughters of God. Not failures, not confused people. Sons and daughters of God that have been set free and are walking with our Father into the fullness of our destiny. Now, if you don't know who you are in Christ, if you don't know what he's done for you, you can't take authority over the dark things of this world. And you'll put up with sickness. You'll just kind of, you know, try and do what a lot of other people do, figure out is there a way I can kind of reduce this or just kind of live with it or get by or, 
you know, or, or you'll put up with depression, or you'll, you'll try, you'll, but when you realize what he's done for you, you won't allow it anymore in your life. You'll say no more in my life, and you'll begin to rebuke things that shouldn't be in your life, like sickness, right? You begin to take authority over things that he never meant for us to experience. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 5.17. You guys doing okay? Keep those seatbelts on. We're going higher. 2 Corinthians 5.17. So we have a supernatural family tree now. We have a new identity. We are new creations in Christ Jesus. Okay? We don't handle things the way that people don't know him handle things. We have information that changes everything. Okay? 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, how do you know if you're in Christ? Well, you've got the badge, right? The certificate? No. Well, you've believed in your heart that God raised him from the dead, right? And you've confessed with your mouth Jesus is Lord. If you've done that, you're in Christ. You don't need man to approve that. Okay? That's your heart in God's heart. It's by simple faith you're in Christ, then you're a new creation. The old has gone. devil doesn't want you to know this. The old's gone. It's not who you are anymore. The new has come. The new you's here. Hello. Right? I like the way the Phillips New Testament says verse 18. It says all this is God's doing. He did this, right? For He has, past tense, it's already done, has reconciled him to himself, us to himself through Jesus Christ. I was talking with someone this week and, you know, being in the body of Christ for almost three decades now, I've heard a lot of praying. And so much of the praying that I've heard others do is really done because they don't realize what God's already done for them. And you'll hear so common, you've got to cry out you got to shout louder. Why? Can't, does God have a hearing problem? See, that, that's an ignorance of what he's already done. Remember when Jesus was asked, what must we do to do the works of God? What did he say? Cry out. Shout louder. Pray harder. Believe. Unbelief can be cleverly disguised in theological traditions. Like cry out. Just believe. Believe what? In the one whom he sent. In who he is and what he's already done for you. My prayer life changed dramatically decades ago when I realized this. And I stopped asking God for things because I realized he already gave them to me in Christ. And I began to receive them by faith. It changes the way you live. Hallelujah. So the 2 Corinthians 5.17 is talking about a spiritual reality. It's talking about our spirits being made new. And, and I like how Debbie's and Den Dennis and Debbie's t-shirt says, living from the inside out that they were wearing on Wednesday. We're living from the inside out. We're living from the reality of our new spirits. And when you get a hold of this knowledge, the knowledge of who you are in Christ and what he's done for you, it will cause these spiritual realities to rise to the surface in your life. And the reality of the new you will begin showing up in your soul. Begin showing up in your body. All right? This new identity, this new you, 
this new family tree that we have supersedes our natural family tree. It does. It supersedes our biological family tree, the, the natural family that we've come from. Now, spiritual forces of darkness, we know they're in the earth, right? In fact, Jesus taught us that Satan is the God of this world. And we know that he comes against us. He will send doubts to you and different kinds of clever reasonings to try and keep you from realizing who you are in Christ. He'll try and talk you out of your new identity. He doesn't want you to walk in the victory that Christ has for you. And, and that can come in a number of ways. Religion is one of the biggest tools that he uses. Not trying to be offensive, it's just true. All right? The religious leaders were the ones who, who, who Jesus had the hardest time with. The ones who diligently studied the scriptures and had degrees in them. Right? Were the ones that called him demon-possessed. Right? It is interesting, right? So it will come, this, these, these dark thoughts, these doubts about who you are and what he's done for you can come in a number of ways. And we saw in our last message in this series that Jesus, or excuse me, Satan tried to talk Jesus out of his identity. Right. If you are the son of God. Remember in Matthew chapter 4? And I want, to, I want you to think about what we talked about in this last message in this series. We saw that both Jesus and Satan used the written word. They both used the scriptures. Do you mean Satan uses the Bible? Yeah. <laughs> Stay with me. This is going to help you so much. All right? He does. So Satan and Jesus were both using the Bible. Now, obviously, one was using it. Uh, divide, rightly dividing it, and one was not. What's the difference between Jesus using the Scriptures and Satan? I'm referring to Matthew chapter 4 is what I'm referring to, where Satan comes to tempt Jesus. What's the difference between the two using it? Well, Jesus knows the nature and will of his Father. Jesus knows the heart of God. Satan does not. When you don't know the heart of God, you'll misunderstand and misuse the Bible. It's very true. And it happens over and over again. But the Bible is not the problem. Ignorance of God's nature and will is the problem. Right? So understanding and knowing how good God is how much he loves you is the difference between wholeness and bondage. Understanding the Bible is not a question of how many times you've read it or how many times you've heard it. But it's a question of knowing the nature and will of the Father. In fact, God said this in Hosea 4, 6. He said, my people are destroyed right, because they don't do enough righteous deeds every day. No, that's not what he said. My people are destroyed because they don't cry out. No. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. What kind of knowledge? Knowledge of who he is and what he's done for us. God knowledge. The knowledge of his true nature and will. 
If you're lacking that knowledge, Satan can, can take advantage of you and steal and kill and destroy. All right? So we want to know who we are in Christ. We want to know that we're sons and daughters of God right now. We're off limits to Satan. He's under our feet. We have authority over every dark thing. It's time to be sons and daughters of God, to live in the reality of that. All right? Now, God wants you to personally taste and experience him every day. Personally. Experience him daily. Look at John chapter 8, verse 31. This is not about religion. It's about you in your daily life experiencing the abundant life Christ came to give you. That's why he came. That you might have life and life abundantly. Not struggle. Not cry out, but victory, joy, the finished work of Christ. Look what he said. Now, stay with me. This just gets better and better. we gotta, we got to get there. So we got to lay a little path before we get there, all right? John 8, 31. So Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed him, if you continue in my what? Word then you are truly disciples of mine and you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. You're not going to make yourself free. The truth will make you free. It's like those uh, scrubbing bubbles. You guys see, ever they see that bathroom cleaner? I don't know if they have that commercial anymore, but there used to be this bathroom cleaner. You sprayed it and these little cartoon bubbles with mustaches would go around your tub and clean your tub. Well, God's Word is like that. It's this active agent that makes us whole. It makes us whole. Okay? Now, that word, K-N-O-W, let's de-religify it. If you didn't get your can of de-religification spray, it's back there at the info counter. No, K-N-O-W. What does that mean? Well, the, the New Testament was written in Greek, right? The word's gnosko. I don't speak Greek. I just, I read uh, dictionaries and concordances to try and understand it. But Vine's expository dictionary tells us this porky pigs in the house tells us that this word K-N-O-W <laughs> indicates a relation between the person knowing and the object known. It's also used to convey the thought of connection or union. It's the same word used in Matthew 1.25, where it said Joseph knew, Gnosko, not Mary, until after Jesus was born. If you continue in my true nature and will, because Jesus is the nature and will of God, right? That's his, he's the word. If you continue in my true nature and will, you will experience intimacy with me, and that intimacy with me will make you free. That's what he's saying. If you continue in my nature and will, you will experience intimacy with me. You can't be intimate with someone if you don't know their nature. You can't. He's saying, if you know my nature and my will, you're going to experience an intimacy with me, and that intimacy with me is going to make you whole and set you free. This little word, K-N-O-W, is the same word used in Mark 5, 29, 
where the woman with the issue of blood was healed because she said to herself, if I may but touch his garment, I shall be whole. Right? And she touched him. Verse 29 of Mark 5, same word, genosko. The hemorrhage stopped immediately. This is the Philip's New Testament. And she knew in herself. It's this intimate knowing inside of who he is and who you are in him. It's this intimate identity. She knew in herself, she sensed, I think one translation says, that she was cured of her trouble. Wow. God wants you to experience intimacy with Him in your everyday life, in every area of your life, in every way in your life. John 8, verse 32 in the Weist translation. I like this. And you shall gnosko the truth in an experiential way. What does that mean? Everyday life, where you live, in your kitchen, in your bathroom, in your garage, in your car, when you're feeding your dog, in an experiential way, and the truth shall make you free. Man, that's so good. So when you were born again, you were born of God's nature. God's nature is now inside of you. The very nature of God is residing in your spirit. The kingdom of God is inside of you. You may not feel like it. This might be new information to you, but it is true. And they will both be activated and begin to blossom and flourish inside of you as you gain the knowledge of His true nature and will. That's where intimacy comes from. When you begin to realize how much He loves you and what that means. It's great to say God loves you. What does that mean? It means He's provided for every need of your life according to His glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Love does that. And when you begin to realize what these things mean, you begin to experience them. All right? In fact, God is so intimate that every concern you have, He wants to accomplish. (laughs) Every concern you have, He wants to accomplish. In fact, I shared this verse. Put Psalm 138, verse 8 up there. Now, I shared this verse with someone. It says, the Lord will accomplish what concerns me. And and then we didn't have our Bibles out. They said, no, no, no. I think it says, the Lord will accomplish what concerns him. I said, no, it it says me. Why? God's all set. He doesn't have one problem. Not one. He's whole, right? He's victorious. He's perfect in all his ways. We We have things we need. We're living in a fallen world. Satan's the God of this world. We need the life and power of Him. The Lord will accomplish what concerns you. Why? Your loving kindness. That's what loving kindness does. When you love someone, you want to accomplish the things that concern them. Right? 
It just goes with love. That's how love works. Your loving kindness accomplishes the things that concern me, and it's 24-7. So I take great comfort in that every time I have a concern, God's on it. He's on it. If you have a concern, God's on it. He's on it. Hallelujah. That's so good. Now, how are we going to gain this true knowledge, this knowledge of His true nature and will? Now, where are we going to go to get this? Well, Jesus is the answer, right? Sure He is. We gain the knowledge of His true nature and will. This is where things are going to get a little shocking. In two ways. Through the Word of God and by the Spirit of God. Now, I know that's not shocking right now, but the Word of God has been religified. So we're going to de-religify that for you this morning. So we gain this knowledge of His true nature and will through the Word of God and the Spirit of God. Now, what's the Word of God? Is this it? Before we move on, on July 9th, 2017, part two of this series, I want to encourage you to listen to it this week. Okay, we talked more in depthly about what I'm about to say. Part two, July 9th, just go to highwaychurch.us, click on the podcast button, and listen to part two, the Jesus tree, part two, July 9th. Just because you've heard the Bible, just because you've gone to church, doesn't mean you've heard the Word of God. Stay with me now. Your seatbelts are on, right? Get a little rocky. Just because you've heard the Bible, just because you've been in church for, for decades, doesn't mean you've heard the Word of God. In fact, if you'll open up your Bible and look in the front, which is, this is the front, <laughs> you, the very first few pages, you'll actually see a copyright date. Mine is 1996. Jesus was before 1996. Wasn't he? Or did he start after this was published? Long before your Bible that you're holding was published, Jesus is. He's not a book. The Bible is the written word of God. Don't misunderstand me. Stay with me. I want to set you free from blockages that keep you from experiencing the power and life that he's brought to you. John chapter 1. The Word is Jesus. This is the written Word. But if I go and, and, and throw this in the ocean, it doesn't change a thing. It just keeps me from reading it and learning and understanding Him more. But Jesus, is, the Word is still intact. No one can change the Word. This is pen and ink. It's, you can see the bindings falling apart. Does that mean Jesus is falling apart? No. Uh-uh. Okay. John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, before your Bible was copyrighted and published, would you agree with that? This is the beginning. This is before any Bible was ever published, any church ever sang a hymn, any hymn was ever written, anything or anyone ever was, Jesus is. In the beginning was the Word. The what? The Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Who's it talking about right there? We're not going to read the whole chapter, but if you look down, he's talking about Jesus. Jesus is the Word of God. Why is He called the Word? 
guys ever watch Word Girl on public television? <laughs> Word Girl! Yeah. Well, why is Jesus called the Word? Well, words are the expression of our heart. Words come from the overflow of our heart, right? Out of our, the overflow of a heart, the mouth speaks. Jesus is the expression of God's heart. So he's called the Word. Jesus is the knowledge of the true nature and will of God. So if I want to know the true nature and will of God, I've got to study Jesus. And the best place to do that is in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts, the first five books of my 1996 Bible, or whatever you got, <laughs> whatever years yours was published. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts. The Bible tells us that he is the nature of the Father. Hebrews 1.3, right? So if I want to live my life in this new identity, realizing I'm in a new family now, and it begins with Jesus, if I want to have victory over the enemy, I've got to know Jesus. I've got to know the nature and the will of God. And there are people in churches all around the world that don't know the nature and the will of God. Jesus came so that you would be sure of and certain of God's love, will, and nature for you. So that you would taste it and experience it intimately every day. Have you heard the truth about Jesus? Here's where it gets wild. Have you heard the truth about Jesus? I don't know. How do you know? What has God said to us? Through Jesus. I mean, about our daily lives. What, what is he, what, what God gets right where you live. He knows how to tie your shoes, right? Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. What has God said to us about our daily living through the ministry of Jesus? I'm telling you, he couldn't have made it simpler. That's why I love this passage so much. Because religion makes it hard and difficult and confusing. Jesus made it clear and simple. Okay? This is what he said. Ask, and it will be given to you. Notice cry out is not in here. Anywhere. Ask, it will be given. Seek, you will find. Knock, it will be opened. Wow. For everyone who asks, receives. Next verse, verse 8. And he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be open. God has an open door policy. His name is Jesus. God's door is not closed to you. It's wide open 24-7. You thought 7-Eleven came up with the idea of staying open all night. Uh-uh. That's God's idea. He never sleeps. Verse 9. Or what man is there among you? Now listen, this is, this is real, right? We're human beings. We can understand this. He's making this as real and as simple. Everyone can get this. What man is there among you if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Well, what's bread for? Eating. What's a stone for? Not for eating. Can you imagine if, if Jennifer, we called the kids for dinner and they came down as a big pile of rocks on the table? Dig in, guys. Doesn't make any sense. You can't eat rocks, right? You break your teeth. You mess up your esophagus. You tear things up on the inside. We're not made to eat rocks. Bread is for eating. 
There isn't one person that, wouldn't, that would do such a thing to their child, right? Unless they're really twisted and, 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 and caught up in some kind of craziness, right? So we all understand this. If your son asks for bread, what do you do? You give him bread, right? You give him something to eat because he's hungry. Well, Jesus is the bread of life, right? The law was written on stone. He didn't give us stone. He gave us life. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So it's not about law. It's about love. That's where the bread is. People have, have broken their religious teeth on the law. And as a result, they smile. And they, 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 you know, they don't look very happy. Or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a serpent. Your son asks for a fish and you give him something poisonous? Come on down, kids. Time to eat. Oh, a, a table full of vipers and diamond, uh, diamondback rattlers or whatever they're called, right? No way. Now, if you then, isn't this simple? If you then, being evil, know how to give what kind of gifts? Good gifts to your children. Your seatbelt's on, right? How much more will your father, so our father's better? He's more good than we are, yeah? We've all fallen short of the glory, right? How much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Couldn't be clearer in this passage, right? This is how we know the nature of God. We look at Jesus. This is how we understand the scriptures. Genesis through Malachi, through the person and nature of Jesus. This is how we understand the epistles, right? Romans through Revelation, through the nature of Jesus. He's the light that we need to understand the Bible. Then if it's so simple and clear, why are there so many ministers teaching people weekly that God uses sickness to teach them something? We're just being real. Why are there so many Christian books written that teach people that everything that happens is God's will for your life? Didn't come from Jesus, I'll tell you that. Can you imagine a parent giving their child sickness? Is that right or wrong? Easy to see. How could anyone ever say God would do that to someone? Well, there's some hidden divine purpose in it. No, there's not. There's a devil behind it trying to steal, kill, and destroy you. Sickness is never good. It's never for you. It's never from God. It's never His will. Never, never, never. How do I know? Jesus. He never made one person sick. He's the antithesis of that. He healed people. You won't find him making anyone sick. Then why are these things taught? Ignorance of God's true nature and will. We doing okay? Why is it taught that everything that happens is God's will? People say everything happens for a reason. You understand the reason might be Satan's trying to destroy you. They're implying that God is behind everything. No, he's not. Jesus clearly showed us God is not in control of this world. He's not. Jesus had to rebuke storms, remember? He didn't anything that got in the way of him fulfilling God's plan for his life, he took authority over it. He rebuked storms. He didn't accept them and write books about them. He rebuked them. He rebuked sickness and disease. He rebuked devils. He is our example, right? 
Just shake. Come on, we're shaking some things off now. I know it hurts. When you start hearing about how good God is, there's some alarms that start going off. This can't be true. This is too good to be true. No, 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 no. No, let's stay with Jesus, okay? Let's stay with Jesus. Have you heard the truth about him? Do you know that Jesus, listen closely, get the seatbelt here. Do you know that Jesus is the remedy for every area of your life? Facebook, how you guys doing? We're live on Facebook. We're so glad for anyone who's watching will see this broadcast. Do you know that Jesus is the remedy for every area of your life? In fact, Proverbs 4, 20 through 23 says that about the word. It's the remedy, the cure, the medicine for our, all our whole body. Jesus is the word, right? When you see Jesus as he is, when you realize God's true nature and will, listen, you will no longer look anywhere else for a remedy. I grew up in a family of remedies. Professional. When I found Jesus, I found the remedy. But I had to resist religious theology in a lot of cases because it was contrary to the person of Jesus as revealed in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts. I know this is shocking, but listen, if you haven't come to the knowledge of God's true nature and will, you'll begin coming up with your own remedies. Because you want to be better. And that's natural. So you start, you know, you'll Google like crazy. You'll start reading books. You'll start listening to different people and, you know, try this, get this herb mixture and this special ingredient and, and try this and change that. You'll come up with your own remedies, your own system, and your own ideologies. But when you see him as he revealed himself in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts, you'll put the remedies aside and you'll experience the wholeness that only he can bring. John chapter 5, verse 37. Let's listen to Jesus. John chapter 5, verse 37, and the Father himself can't get any more authority, any more uh, authoritative than this. The Father himself who sent me has testified of me. You have neither heard his voice at any time nor seen his form. Who's he talking to? Right, The people who wanted to kill him. Many of them, I'm sure, were experts in the scriptures. Many of them went to the finest uh, schools and were doctors in the law. And they wanted to kill him. And he's talking to them. But you do not have his word abiding in you. What? They could quote it. It was common in their culture in Jesus' day. I forget by what age they had to have the first, the Pentateuch, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy memorized. Wow. How could you have it memorized and it not be abiding in you? Because you don't know his nature and his will. You don't have his word abiding in you. No, oh, this is so good. Because whom he sent, him 
you do not believe. Not that, not that Jesus existed. That's not going to help you believing that he existed. What will help you? Believing he's your personal healer. That will help you. Believing he has set you free from every dark thing and that with the stripes that wounded him, you have been made whole. That will help you. Believing on him who he sent. Look at verse 39. This is great. Oh, I love Jesus. He said, you search the scriptures. Ooh, he's, he's something, isn't he? You search the scriptures. For in them you think you have eternal life. And these are they which testify of me. It's me. I'm the one. I'm the eternal life you're looking for. These just testify of me. I'm not a book. I'm alive. Look how the message says it. Oh, this is so good. Wait, I'm sorry. Did we do verse 40? Do verse 40 back in the yeah, New King James. But you are not willing to come to me that you may have life. Hello, religion. Religion re refuses to give up its cherished traditions and doctrines instead of coming to Jesus and having life. The religious tradition has become more precious to so many people than Jesus. There are people who love to sing hymns, but you start talking about Jesus being the healer and they want to throw rocks at you. That's crazy. All right. If you, you're not willing to come to me to have life, you've put your trust in your own remedies and systems and theology. Now let's look at the message. I love this. Oh, this is so good. You have your heads in your Bibles constantly. <laughs> Woo! Clear. You have your heads in your Bibles constantly because you think you'll find eternal life there. Wrong. But you miss the forest for the trees. These scriptures are all about me. I'm alive and I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hallelujah. I've died for you. I was crucified, scourged for you. I bore your sicknesses. I carried your diseases. I went to hell on your behalf and I defeated death. And I stripped the principalities of the authority they stole from Adam. And I'm giving it back to you so that you can be whole and live this new kind of life and be part of a new family, God's family. You're my son. You're my daughter. The devil's under your feet. But you miss the forest of the trees. These scriptures are all about me. See, when you begin to realize how good he is, how much he loves you, not how much you love him, not how many things you think you have to do to earn his favor, toss all that away. Let the center of your attention be his love for you. Who he is, what he's done for you. Become conscious of that then faith will start to burgeon and blossom inside of you, come alive inside of you. So here it is, Romans 10, 17, last scripture. This is so good. So faith comes by crying out. Faith comes by praying 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Well, Paul said to pray constantly. You know what he's talking about? 
relationship with Jesus. Fellowshipping with Jesus everywhere you go. He's not talking about closing yourself in a closet for 24 hours every day. That's ridiculous. God did not call us to do that. Okay, clear. Here's a concept. Somewhere along the line, Satan tried to get God's ministers to hide themselves away on a mountain for the rest of their lives. What are those things called? Yeah, you lock yourself away from the world because you're mine now. That's the opposite of Jesus. He said, go into the world, didn't he? We're not supposed to lock ourselves away. We're supposed to be in the midst of it all, letting him flow through us. We're doing okay? So then faith comes by what? Hearing. Hearing what you're hearing now. The true nature and will of God. People aren't hearing this in churches. So many of them. Some they are. But many they're not. And hearing by the word of God. Now this is King James right here. Okay, clear. We doing all right? You know, the Bible wasn't written in King James. And I know people get real mad about this. Well, I use the King James. Well, that's good. I do too. But I reference about 15 to 20 different uh, English translations. Not to mention the concordances and so forth. In fact, the, the, the New Testament was written in Greek. And the Old Testament was written in Hebrew. I don't speak either one of those languages. Chances are you probably don't either. All right? And there are more English translations that I know. And I look at a ton of them. And I don't want to shock you, but there are errors in them. Duh! God's Word, the written Word, is inspired of God. In the Hebrew, in the Greek, it is inspired of God. And it is, uh, it is the written Word of God. But people are people. And you start studying the, the original text and you see, wait a minute. I'll give you an example here. And hearing by the Word of God. Do you know what the Greek word is for God there? Christos. What's that? Christ. Now obviously, yes, He's God, but He wants you to know Christo. His anointing power to set you free. So faith comes by hearing the, the, the word concerning the anointed one who came to make you whole. See, God can just be a generic term we use now. Well, I, I've heard the word of God. No, you haven't. You understand what I'm trying to say? We have these what have become generic religious terms. The word of God. The Bible. God. Well, yeah, God's great, but he's Christos. He's the way, the truth, and the life. He's the healer. He's the deliverer. Have you heard the word of Christos? Have you heard about his healing power? The Holman Christian Standard Bible says this. Have you hearing the message about Christ? That's what that translation is. I mean, that's, as you get into the Greek, this is really what it's saying. That's why there's so many English translations. Because they, they started reading sermons. Wait a minute, they're kind of missing it here. We've got to go back in. We've got to look again. No English translation is perfect. Sorry. Does that mean we can't understand the Bible? No. Because the Holy Spirit who authored it is living inside of you. Okay? Is that, and you know what? Even if you spoke fluent Greek and Hebrew, you could still misunderstand the Bible. Why? Because you don't understand it by your scholarly efforts and, and linguistic expertise. You understand it by knowing His nature and His will. Yeah. It's true. So learning Hebrew and Greek isn't the answer. It's knowing His nature and will that's the answer. And His nature and will is Jesus. Hallelujah. 
I like how the New Living Translation says it. So faith comes from hearing, that is, hearing the good news about Christ. You see, if I, tell someone, if I say to someone, have you heard the word of God? They're like, oh. But if I say, have you heard the good news about what Jesus did for you? Now this is something kind of, wait a minute, right? We kind of de-religify it, right? Hearing the good news about Christ. Well, we read some when we were having communion, Isaiah 53, 4 and 5, right? It was our pains he carried, our disfigurements, all the things wrong with us. And that, that through his punishment, we're made whole. Have you heard that good news? Wow. Have you heard what he's accomplished for you through his sacrifice? There are people that have been in churches for their whole life and haven't heard it. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? Now, many have heard bad news cleverly dressed in man's religious theology. Like what I said earlier. Well, you know... Sister, you know, there must be some reason for that sickness in your life. You know, God must have some divine purpose in it, so you just, you know, you endure, you learn from it. And I was invited a few summers ago to a, uh, a Christian festival. And I got there, and I went. It was out in the middle of a town square. And this, this band was playing, Christian band doing worship. And this person stepped up to the mic, and one of the first things she said began uh, saying how God used this sickness in her life to teach her such and such. I thought, oh, God. Why, why, why would everyone, anyone ever believe that? Did Jesus teach us that? Never. Not once. We're just being real. It's time to discard of the junk. It's time to know him as he is. He's the healer. Hallelujah. I don't care how clever the theology is or what degrees they have or how large the church is or, or what seminary they went to. If it doesn't agree with Jesus and Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts, they've missed it. We're not mad at anybody. We're not finding fault with anybody. But we need to know Jesus. The real Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts. He's the same. Look at the Living Bible. Verse 17. Let's put that up there. Yet faith comes from listening. How are you going to have, how would faith come from God giving you a sickness? Well, that, that's encouraging, brother. Thank you. So God put this in my life to teach me what? How to vomit and to, to, to watch my body deteriorate. And wow, I, I, that really inspires me to know him more. That's so twisted. It's so backwards. Didn't Jesus say, if you ask for bread, God gives you bread. He's much better than we are. He would never do that to someone. We doing okay? This thing needs to be torn down in people's lives. It has caused so many to live their lives in bondage and die prematurely and think they were pleasing God the whole time. There's no purpose in sickness but death and stealing and killing. Yet faith comes from listening to this good news. Ooh. The good news about Christos. So you can listen to all the Bible you want, but if you're not hearing the good news about Christos, it's not going to change your life. Amplified says this, So faith comes by hearing what is told, and what is heard comes by the preaching of the message that came from the lips of Christ. That's intimate, isn't it? Yes. The message 
that came from the lips of Christ. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. That's the message that produces faith. Faith to be healed. Faith to be transformed. Faith to prosper. Faith to fulfill your destiny. It's hearing the good news of Christos that came from his lips. Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 11. We read the good news that God is good, and you can understand that, unlike so many ministers will tell you, you can't understand the Bible, leave it up to the experts. No, you've got the expert living inside of you. You don't need a teacher. You don't need a teacher. You've got the Holy Spirit inside of you. He will show you Christos if you let him. Now, thank God for good teachers and the gifts of the ministry. They can help us. They should be helping us to know Christos, not religious theology and denominational doctrine. Hello, that's why we're here. We want people to know Christos. The message, the last translation, verse 17. But unless Christ's word is preached, there's nothing to listen to. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah! Amen, brother! Woo! You know, there are people going to churches and they're listening to nothing? Nothing! Every week. If the, 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 the Matthew 7, 7 through 11, the words that passed over Jesus' lips aren't being preached, there's nothing to listen to. What are you listening to? Highly recommend Joseph Prince Ministries. Highly recommend. See, when I, when I got, uh, came to know Christ, uh, I came out of a very strong religious uh, denomination, and I just started reading Jesus. I, I thought, wow, why didn't someone tell me this? You know, I, I've been in church all my life and didn't know this. And I started saying, okay, Father, are there churches that actually teach this? What Jesus taught? <laughs> you think all of them? No. So I, I began looking, and I'm telling you, it's not easy to find. To find Christos being preached week in and week out. And I'd go somewhere, and it'd be like a real inspiring message. You go next week, and it's like, oh, wait, wait, but what about what you said last week? What happened to that? That was, <laughs> did something change? Did Jesus change? <laughs> no. See, sometimes we try and explain the things we've been through by changing our theology. And in so doing, we, put, we, we keep ourselves from experiencing Him. We've all been through difficult things. We've all lost loved ones. But that doesn't mean that Jesus is not good. That doesn't mean He caused that. We don't have to try and explain what we've been through with a new theology. Right? So, listen, we've all fall short of the glory of God. If something bad were to happen to me and, and you know, and, and tomorrow I fell off the edge of the earth or something, you know, you know that wasn't God's will, right? You know, you know God didn't cause that, right? That we're living in a fallen world. Sometimes we just miss it, right? Sometimes someone, we know that God is not to blame for the things going on in the world. If he is, we're in big trouble. I mean, if, he, if he's the one stealing and killing and, and, and making people sick and causing wars, and you know, we're, we're in a lot of trouble. I, I don't know how to have faith in a God like that. How, well, how do I know? Is he going to make me sick? Is he going to heal me? Is he going to beat me? Is he going to love me? I, I don't know. You understand? This is real life. We've got to be real. It's time to live real life with the real Jesus. 
Amen. Amen. Boy, we don't have time to get into it. We're going to stop here today. But next week, it's going to be so much fun. We got some more shocking stuff for you next week. Uh, but we, we were talking in our last message about God's word is like water, right? Uh, like it makes things grow. It, it relieves. It sets free and unburdens it. It refreshes. Well, next week, we're going to start talking about God's word is light. And, and see, we come to know our identity through the word of God. And that's what we're talking about. So let, let's pray and, and let's get ready. Ah, to wind this thing up. Father, thank you so much for your amazing love. <laughs> Lord, I, I'm so glad that you love us with a perfect love and you're here right now. You're not afraid of the wrong things we've done. You haven't shunned us. You haven't turned your back on us. Your door's wide open. Your arms are open. You're right here right now. And Father, we receive your love for us this morning, you've expressed it in high definition through Jesus. It couldn't be clearer. Help us, Holy Spirit, to know Christos. Yes. To receive the words that came from his lips. To receive the nature and will of the Father as demonstrated in him in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts. Lord, I pray for everyone listening to this message, whether they're here, be online, or recording later. Holy Spirit, help each person listening to see how much you love them, to know how good you really are. That Jesus bore every dark thing so that his light could lead the way in every area of their lives. In Jesus' name. At Highway Church, we want to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ and experience the abundant life He came to give you. If you'd like to learn more about God's amazing love for you, please visit us at highwaychurch.us. You can email us at info at highwaychurch.us or message us via our Facebook page. Put your trust in Jesus today and taste and see how good He is.